Two veterans, Sean Clifford and Tanner Morgan. We don't know if they're both going to be playing when these two teams face off this weekend, but whoever wins between Penn State and Minnesota can put their season back on track. You are locked on Big Ten. Your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, you're tuned into Locked On Big Ten. Thanks for making the show your first listen every single weekday. Coming up on the program, we're going to start to get into the weekend around the Big Ten. Looking at, first off, maybe the biggest game of the weekend here in the conference. A couple of teams coming off losses, maybe looking for a little bit of identity after those losses. Minnesota and Penn State. And we have here to go over the Penn State side, Zach Seiko, new host of Locked On Nittany Lions, with us here on the program for the first time since he took over the show. Thank you for joining the network, Zach. Thank you for joining the show. But first, let's talk about Penn State. Tough loss to Michigan last week. How are things at Penn State right now? <laughs> um, I w- excuse me. I wish I could say they were better because the fan base hasn't taken it lightly between should James Franklin be the, it's the same carousel over and over again. Should James Franklin be the head coach? Should Sean Clifford be quarterback number one? When are they going to the freshman? Uh, is Mike Yursich okay? Is he the problem? That's really the three things that have stood out to me is the question marks surrounding James Franklin, the question marks surrounding Sean Clifford. Those are the, the double whammy there. And now you have Mike Yursich a little more into the fold this time around. I don't think the, uh, Defense has gotten enough criticism from this past Saturday against Michigan because they did allow 418 rushing yards at the end of the day. Uh, Manny Diaz has been great, but let's think about the competition that they've had 11 turnovers against, right? Auburn, Central Michigan, Northwestern, uh, Michigan just was a better team. Uh, they do have some bigger size. That's fine. But also at the end of the day, they were out coached uh, every every step of the way. Penn State had a game script. And the second that it went away from that game script, uh, everything kind of fell back down to earth, even though they had a 17 to 16 lead at one point. Uh, but if you're looking at the Penn State general public, the fan base, uh, they are calling for Drew Aller. And they're not 100% certain that James Franklin should even be the head coach after this season. It should be Matt Rule or, or whatever they're going to, whoever they're going to bring in. Let's talk a little bit more about those rushing yards you mentioned, Zach, because yeah. it's going to lead into this matchup with Minnesota, too. What was it in that second half that just let Michigan run all over everything that the Nittany Lions threw at it? It goes back to the coaching from Michigan. Uh, they designed the plays up very well. Uh, Sharon Moore, I know he's a co-offensive coordinator, and, and the way that Mike Hart conducts himself as the running backs coach, it started up front with the offensive line. They had a system where the offensive line in the interior was going to double team, whether it was P.J. Mustafer, Devon Ellis. Uh, they double teamed those guys. Then it was up to the linebackers. Uh, kind of going through my game grades and positional grades, like the linebackers get an F and honestly an F minus because they had so much responsibility in that game for gap control. And the linebackers just couldn't keep up with whether it was Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum. They just blew by them. Tyler Elsden had a bad game. If it wasn't for Curtis Jacobs's pick six that got them into the game in the first half, 
he would have had an awful game himself. He was over-pursuing, under-pursuing. Jonathan Sutherland was eaten up by the uh, bigger offensive lineman. He's the safety coming down to this linebacker position this season. So it was really all on the linebackers because they couldn't stop the run. The defensive line actually had a fine game. It, it, the blame's not on them. It's that it's that second line of defense there. And when Minnesota hears that, they're licking their chops, getting ready for this matchup because you know the Golden Gophers have the running back to be able to pound that ground game just as much as Michigan did. How worried are you about being able to slow down a good rushing attack like Minnesota's after failing against Michigan? What needs to change? I mean, you mentioned the linebackers. Uh, pretty worried, if I'm being honest. Uh, Minnesota is a well-coached team. It starts. Let, let's start there. I keep bringing up this consistent pattern of coaching, and P.J. Fleck is a really good coach, even though he doesn't necessarily have the best talent. I would say that Minnesota is a Michigan light this year. Uh, you have Tanner Morgan, who may or may not play in this game, or to some, what's his percentage of how healthy he is. So they're going to rely on that game. You have Kirk Shiraka as the offensive coordinator, and he knows some of the secrets now at Penn State. He also knows where they're hurting the most. And the run defense that was top five after the first few games there, uh, it, it's not top five by any stretch of the imagination here. So with Mo Ibrahim at running back, the you know redshirt senior, 24-year-old, uh, same school that uh, Stefan Diggs came from, good counsel, same high school. Uh, he's a really good running back. And from the time that he's missed, they can honestly go to anybody in that backfield. They have some good depth behind him since he's missed time and, and they've had good experience on the football field. Uh, the offensive line is big. It's nasty. This does not, this is the recipe for another tough Penn state game. If it weren't for the whiteout, if this were at Minnesota, I, I don't know how the Nittany Lions would fare in this if they didn't have a lot of other things going for them at this point. How much of an impact is that whiteout going to have? Obviously, it's a, a big game for Penn State, but just how much bigger does it make that crowd presence? I mean, the crowd presence is huge, 107,000 plus. Uh, everybody kind of knows that. The way that, uh, like, Urban Meyer, for example, says that it, it honestly gives Penn State a very distinct advantage, and Urban Meyer's played in multiple whiteout games like that. Uh, but when you look at the stats, Penn State's actually 7-6 and six in whiteout games. Uh, this isn't this, uh, well, they're guaranteed a victory here. No matter who steps into the whiteout, uh, they're going to lose. It's an automatic loss for that opponent. Uh, Penn State, it, it's kind of based on the matchup. This just isn't really the best matchup for them right now, uh, given that Minnesota likes to run the football this year. Uh, they don't have the receiving core that they did the last time around because Tanner Morgan lit them up. Uh, the whiteout itself, like I said, helps them. The crowd atmosphere will help them a lot, but uh, this team is definitely down from the game they played against Michigan from Saturday. Zach Seiko here with Locked On Nittany Lions here to break down the Penn State side of this matchup leading into the weekend against Minnesota. Zach, what about your run game? Nick Singleton didn't have the best showing, and he has been an anchor for your team. Are you confident he'll be able to bounce back? That was just a fluke last week. Uh, it's been hit or miss in the backfield, if I'm being honest. I know that uh, they had the big game against Auburn. They had the big games against Ohio, and that's both of them, Nicholas Singleton and Katron Allen. Uh, mm. he, when you mention Nicholas Singleton, you have to mention Katron Allen because they are getting – they're splitting carries right down the middle. 
Nicholas Singleton might get the first reps to start the game, meaning that he's the starter, but it's kind of like being the sixth man in basketball. Catron Allen comes in off the bench and he is getting the exact same amount of snaps and the exact same amount of touches as Nicholas Singleton. Singleton has the home run ability, but Catron Allen, if you need a guaranteed five yards, they're going to him. Uh, I hope that it was a fluke game. I know that Michigan's front seven is a lot better than at least I gave them credit for when I was scouting them, just because of how much turnover they had with losing a Jabo, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, they had Dax Hill in the secondary. I know that guy's in the defensive backfield, but they, they lost some talent on defense. So I was eager to see what the competition that they played, that the front seven for Michigan was so hard to run against. And uh, Singleton and Allen, they're freshmen. Uh, they're very talented, but they are going to make freshman mistakes. And you've seen that quite a bit through this first half of the season. What's plan A for Penn State uh, if they go in and say, okay, here's what we want to do. What is that? Uh, plan A is definitely to force Minnesota to pass, given the fact that we don't know who the quarterback's going to be, right? If it's Tanner Morgan at 50, 60, 70, 80%, even at 100%, it's because the Minnesota wide receiver core is just not all that great. They lost Chris Ottman-Bell, and he was one of those receiving threats back in 2019, if you can still believe it. There's a lot of repeat players from that 2019 game, even though they haven't played each other since. And the plan A is to play from with the lead so that you can force Minnesota to pass and so that you can get Tanner Morgan under pressure because that's how this whole system is operated. If you've looked at Penn State's first five games leading up to Michigan, the game script has been, let's jump out to a lead. Let's jump out to a sizable lead. That's why they went for it on fourth down against Auburn on the first drive of the game. They want to get up by two touchdowns, force you behind. Then you have to pass into that secondary, which is so good. And then Manny Diaz can dial up all those fancy blitzes and you don't know who's coming from where, right? So that's what they want to try to do. Uh, on offense, they want to have a play action, nice balance to keep the pressure off of Sean Clifford. Uh, for the most part, it's worked because you've had Singleton and Allen, but it's not foolproof. And they've been forced out of game script. And Michigan uh, put it on tape. There's the blueprint of how to beat Penn State and beat them handedly. It's out there now. You said it's the first time these two teams will meet since they were both undefeated in Minnesota 1-1 in Minneapolis back in 2019. Not quite that big. We thought it might be a few weeks ago when both these teams were still unbeaten, but it's been a little bit messy since then. These two teams are going to try instead pick up the pieces a bit and bounce back here in this matchup that still has a whole lot of meaning to it, even with a couple of losses on both these squads or combined with both these squads' records. Uh, Zach Seiko, if you want to know everything on Penn State leading up to and in reaction to this matchup, Go and subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions. And thank you, Zach, for joining us for a couple of minutes here on the show. We'll have you back soon. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Nate. Thanks again to Zach for joining us on the show today. We'll, of course, have him back on real soon to talk about potentially what happens over the weekend in that game between Penn State and Minnesota. Before we continue on the show, our show today is brought to you in part by Sweat Block. It's just wipes that can help if you start getting sweaty. To be quite honest, it can happen any day of the week. I know me personally, I'll just throw sweat block wipes into my bag when I go to the gym, just because I know that there's some days where like you go to the gym, you shower after, and for some reason, you're still just sweating a little bit once you get out. And if that happens, it can end up affecting the rest of your day. So make sure that you don't have to worry about it by 
taking some sweat block with you. They're wipes that you can use if you just have an emergency and start sweating or maybe there is something going on where you're just especially nervous going into a day. You can use sweat block to make sure that there isn't any sort of ugly looking underarm sweat marks on your shirt when you're going out and about your day. If you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try SweatBlock. Save 20% with promo code LOCKEDON at SweatBlock.com. That's also available on Amazon, but 20% at SweatBlock.com with promo code LOCKEDON. Let's continue to talk about what's going on around the country in college football news because some interesting news coming out of the Big 12. Biggest of it, being that they announced officially that they will not be going up to divisions when they expand to 14 teams. Four teams are joining the Big 12, so they will go from 10 to 14. That means they have to change some scheduling things, but it will not be divisions for the Big 12. And while that's not huge, huge news for what it is itself, I thought it served as a little bit of a reminder as the Big 10 talks about its division situation. Because the Big 12 has been doing this for a little while now. They have not had divisions before. They're not going to have divisions when they go up to 14 teams. So they're going to figure out something else to do with the football scheduling. Right now, 10 teams, 9 conference games. Everyone just plays everyone every year. The Big 10 is, of course, thinking, and I think everyone agrees, should go to the division list model as soon as possible. But that does not necessarily mean that the problems that the Big Ten has right now just go away. In a season like last year, yeah, sure it would. Because just about every good team in that conference was over in the Big Ten East. But let me just remind you what's happened most recently with the Big 12, a conference that has already been doing things this way. Now, to be fair, the Big 12 isn't quite exactly in the same spot as the Big Ten, but... When you look at who's played in the Big 12 championship game over the last couple of years, there have been plenty of college football playoff hopefuls and contenders. The last two years in particular, just looking at Big 12 championship games, last season, number five Oklahoma State went into that game, hoping to, with a win, perhaps get into the college football playoff. Instead, they lose to number nine Baylor. Not a single Big 12 team gets into that final four. In 2020, again, pandemic season, so a little bit weird, but at that time, it was number eight, Iowa State, who had an outside chance at maybe getting into the playoff if it had been able to win that game. Instead, it loses to Oklahoma, the number 12 team in the country, and no Big 12 team makes the college football playoff. It's just a little bit of a reminder here that while there is an advantage to getting rid of these divisions, There is the hope then that you wouldn't have to have like what we had last year when Iowa is playing Michigan in that game. And if Iowa wins, there's no Big Ten teams in the college football playoff. That, of course, goes away if you get rid of divisions. But you still have to have the good teams. And while you could say, of course, that the Big Ten is not what the Big 12 is, and there are much better teams up and down the Big Ten than what the Big 12 has, at least right now. If I'm looking at the Big Ten right right now, I'm only looking at two teams that are playoff viable. And one of them, at least, is going to have one 
Big Ten loss, if it slips up and loses a second game, then the problem just rears its head right back again. The point being that you have to have the teams. Just about every year the Big Ten does. But at the moment, right now, there's really only two teams that are even close to that top four. And you need to have both of them there at the end of the season and in that title game if you want to be in the ideal spot and have your conference set up for the most success. Right now, the Big Ten does not have that. If it gets rid of divisions, I believe it could. But you still have to have the talent there. And if you're going to have Michigan play Ohio State every single season too, then you're going to have to have some sort of backup just in case the Michigan and Ohio State, if they stay on top of the conference, lose that second or third conference game and open the door for someone else to enter the game at Indianapolis. I guess the point I'm saying is that, again, your problems aren't solved just by getting rid of the divisions, at least not right now. We'll get into wrapping things up here on Locked On Big Ten in just a second. But before we do any of that, a reminder that betonline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season, too. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis at BetOnline. The lines I can tell you about right now, the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, C.J. Stroud at plus 105 right now, but continuing to move up. Blake Corm from Michigan, now tied for the fourth highest odds on BetOnline. He's at plus 1,200 if you believe the Michigan running back is going to take home the Heisman Trophy. BetOnline, you can get those lines and all sorts more as well as up your knowledge on the sports betting world. Be sure to check on at BetOnline where the game starts. Let's wrap things up here by taking a look at some NBA debuts for former Big Ten players. NBA season starting up. Thought it'd be nice to take a look at how everyone's been going, doing through the first couple of days. Not everyone has played just yet, but most teams have gotten their first games out of the way either yesterday or on Tuesday. Let's go from top to bottom. Most impressive performance out of Big Ten players came from Jaden Ivey with the Pistons. It was a loss for Detroit, but he tallied 19 points, 3 rebounds, and 4 assists. Also 3 steals, finished 8 of 15 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3-point land. He looked really, really good to start off the season. Elsewhere, Caleb Houston played 22 minutes yesterday, 3 rebounds, 0 of 3 from the field with 1 block. Max Christie played two minutes, but was perfect in his NBA debut. One for one from the field, and that one was a three-pointer. Also had a rebound, too. Bryce McGowan's played four minutes yesterday, 0 for one from the field. He missed a three-pointer, too. Did have one block. Johnny Davis of the Wizards did not play. Malachi Branham from the Spurs did not play. Keegan Murray is out with injury right now. He'll be debuting with the Kings, hopefully sooner rather than later. A Big Ten score from yesterday, I mentioned number three, Nebraska, was at number 12, Purdue, in volleyball. I brought that up on yesterday's show. And Nebraska won that matchup in three sets, straight sets. Number three, Nebraska wins. Final set scores 25 to 21, 20, and 18. Becca Alec leads the way for the Cornhuskers with 12 kills. Only top 25 matchup in the Big Ten today is in women's soccer. Number six, Michigan State's on the road to meet number 17, Ohio State. 
It's at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on Big Ten Plus if you're so inclined. In other final news around the Big Ten, Michigan is deciding to put in a new scoreboard at Michigan Stadium. It's apparently going to be 10 feet wider than the current scoreboard there. It's not a second tunnel, but it's something. And one more just little fun fact stat for you that I saw in college football, not even a Big Ten stat, but as we wrap things up, and since 2013, the Alabama Crimson Tide have lost six road games. That's not the stat. That's impressive enough. But since 2013, about a decade now, Alabama has lost on the road six times. In all six of those losses, the home team stormed the field. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about when we're talking about dominance, about the goals you're wanting to get to, even if you're in Ohio State. That's that next level. And yeah, we'll see how close the Buckeyes can get here as they've been looking really good over the past couple of years. More coming up tomorrow here on Locked On Big Ten. We're going to talk to Ryan Herrings from Locked On Badgers as he gets ready to face off against the Boilermakers in Purdue. A couple of other teams, kind of like Minnesota and Penn State here, who definitely still have some things to figure out. We'll get to that with Ryan here on tomorrow's show, as well as a preview of all the lines around the Big Ten and everything going on this weekend with five more Big Ten games to go over. We'll have it for you right here on Locked On Big Ten tomorrow. Until then, follow the show wherever you get podcasts on YouTube and on Twitter at Locked On Big Ten, one zero at the end of Big Ten, not T-E-N. And follow me on Twitter at Nate with Sports. Until tomorrow, this has been Locked On Big Ten.